it's uh, good to see you all. My name is Peter Clausen. I'm an associate pastor here at Deer Run Church. And so today I have the immense pleasure to be uh, carrying on the uh, sermon series of um, Psalms. And today I have the, um, the topic of preaching on Psalms of Praise. So I would like to start with a bit of a, a story. A guy once told me that he was challenged, all right? He was challenged to intentionally worship God in every circumstance in his life. That includes the moments in your life when you don't really feel like worshiping or praising God. So he decided to do it. He said it changed his life. He would stop, he would get up, brush himself off and say, praise God. And he said it taught him to have a posture of praise in the good times, but also the bad times. Because praising God isn't always about highlighting what is good in our lives, but about reminding us of how awesome God is. What it did to this particular guy is that he found that during these difficult times, praising God kept him from, remi- from remaining in this negative space. Because through the praise, he was focused on God, not his swelling toe. But all this was put to the test one day when he boarded a flight on his way to a speaking engagement. He was placed next to a, a woman who must have had something that didn't agree with her stomach. And taking off the altitude change did not help her situation. It came to a climax where she frantically reached into the pocket in front of her from behind the seat looking for that little baggie that they supply to you. She couldn't find one. And when she went, turned to look at the man to ask him for his, she blew up. When she was all done, this poor man sat there and everybody on the flight was speechless. This poor Jesus follower was covered from head to toe. Everyone sat in absolute disgust and horror as this man looked at this poor woman And then he looked at everyone else, and then he said, praise the Lord. (laughs) A lot of confused looks would have followed that. Now that, that is dedication. Praising something means that you're glorifying something. Many people praise celebrities, influencers, and brand names and ideas that they think are worth glorifying. Ideas, things, people that they agree with and that, they are, that they're passionate about. As followers of Jesus, we are to make praise to God a daily event. As a lifestyle that we live through the grace that God has gifted, uh, that he has given us. But beyond that, we praise God because he is, quite frankly, he is the, he's the boss of creation. Okay? He's the boss. He's the creator. Even if he did not save us, okay, even if he didn't save us, we would still be required to worship and praise him because he's the creator. But he did save us. 
Not only is the author of creation in all of its mystery, in all of its majesty, he, he makes himself available in a relationship with him, which is just in and of itself mind-boggling if you truly think about it. Romans chapter 5, 8 reminds us of this when it says, but God shows us his, lo- uh, his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Dying for us means that we no longer need to die eternally separated from God. That, that is good news. That is the gospel. Giving us every single reason to praise him in every situation in our lives. Let's pray. Father, this morning, thank you for hearing our voices as we sang songs of praise Songs of surrender. And this morning, everyone's coming here from different circumstances and different backgrounds. And Father, this morning, may we in unity praise you. Lift up your name. For you are worthy. Only you are worthy. No celebrity. No influencer. No creator. On this side of eternity is worthy. But you are worthy. And so we just want to echo those Words of praise. We love you, Jesus. Thank you so much for giving us the gift of salvation. As we celebrate that here this morning, may you just be blessed. In your name we pray. Amen. In reading the Psalms, we find the most beautiful examples of praise. And for the next little moment, I want us to dive headfirst in Psalm 148. And I will be reading from the uh, Lexing. Uh, Lexham English uh, Bible, okay? So, let's start. Psalm 148 is how it starts. Praise Yah. Praise Yahweh from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him in... Praise Him all His angels. Praise Him all His hosts. Praise Him sun and moon. Praise Him all stars of light. Praise Him highest heavens and waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of Yahweh because he commanded and they were created. And he put them in place forever and ever. By a decree he gave that will, sorry, by a decree he gave that will not pass away. Praise Yahweh from the earth, great sea creatures and and all deep and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind uh, doing his bidding, the mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, young men and young women as well, and old together with the young. Let them praise the name of Yahweh because His name alone is exalted. His splendor is above earth in heavens. And he has raised high a horn for his people. Praise for all his faithful, for the children of Israel, a people close to him. Praise Yah. I remember growing up in a different church. And we would often sing Sunday school songs. And I remember one in particular that was burned into my brain. And it was, 
called Praise Ye the Lord, Hallelujah. It would start with the men, all the men standing up, and they would start off, Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. They would sit down, women would stand up, Praise be the Lord, Hallelujah, 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 Praise be the Lord. Praise be the Lord, hallelujah. Praise be the Lord, hallelujah. Praise be the Lord, hallelujah. And then everyone together stands up. Praise be the Lord. And you go down. And then you would do it again for another hour. <laughs> and um, by the time we were done jumping up and down, we looked like a bunch of choir pistons. I can only imagine the, the guy who, you know, come to church. No, it's safe. Come on in. And then we were in the middle of that song. Whoa. See you later. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are into. Um, yeah, by the time we were all done, we were all hot, sweaty messes going to our classrooms. I call that inv involuntary worship aerobics. Probably the most fit church in all the land. Anyways, I found myself thinking about that word hallelujah after. You know, I, I said it so often that I never really understood the importance of that word. For the longest time, I just kind of treated it like biblical gibberish. But it turns out that the phrase hallelujah is more beautiful, more powerful, and deep than I ever would have imagined. In Psalm 148, it actually starts and ends with the saying, praise Yah. This is re uh, referencing the name Yahweh, which happens to be the name that God gave to Moses. This line is also translated, praise the Lord. But in Hebrew, it's hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nowadays, when people say hallelujah, they usually use it as a way to praise God. But in Hebrew, it isn't something that you say to God, but it is something that you use to spur on other people to praise God. You know, like, hey, you over there, you should praise God. He is all powerful and he's all awesome. Psalm 148 is a call to praise God in both the sky realm and on the land realm. It's, if you reading it, it's like it's covering all these different beautiful and powerful and mis, uh, mysterious elements of creation. It connects us to Genesis. God created the sky and God created the land. The entire cosmos is being summoned to the worship service of praising God. And then in verse 5 and 6, it tells us why. It says this, Let them praise the name of Yahweh, because He commanded, and they were created. He commanded, and they were created. And He put them in a place forever and ever. By a decree he gave that will not pass away. God created by speaking. Separating order from chaos with minimal effort. That church is absolute power. In Genesis, we must remember that in the beginning there was dark, stormy waters. It's dark, stormy chaos. God did not destroy the dark, watery chaos. He separated it from the light. All of creation praises God. When something in nature fulfills its purpose, it is an act of praise. When a peach tree produces a peach, it is 
fulfilling its purpose. And in a sense, it is praising God as creator. It's praise. And in the, in, just like us, when we fulfill our purpose, we bear fruit in worship. Worship to God with our lives. And that is, in and of itself, an act of praise. Verse 11 to 12 says this, Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, young men and young women as well, the old together with the young. In other words, every kind of human, from the powerful to the weak, whether you are you have the lowest job you can imagine possible to the highest ranking politician, everybody, all humans, Every single nation, no one is excluded. We are all designed and called to praise God. Verse 13 and 14 says this, Let them praise God, the name of Yahweh, because His name is exalted. His splendor is above earth and heavens. And He has raised high a horn for His people. Praise for all His faithful, for the children of Israel, the people close to Him. Praise Yah. So you're probably wondering about what's this horn situation here. This is the image of a bull lifting up its uh, horns after winning a battle. Okay, It is a very common ancient symbol of victory, especially after being freed from uh, a form of oppression or slavery. What victory are we talking about here? In order to answer that question, we need to zoom out of the Psalms and see the larger biblical narrative, the larger biblical story. In Genesis, God gave freedom to Adam and Eve, but they broke that relationship with God through sin. God then chose a family to be his people, and through his people, he would, he would use them to save all of humanity. And throughout the Torah, we have... Israel being surrounded by enemies and Israel itself struggling with the uh, internal rot of corruption. But still, that is not the ending of the story. God's grace endures and God's people are eventually freed. Before God saves the world, he first saves his people. He lifts up their horn. And if you pay attention, you'll see that this is also foreshadowing something bigger yet. He's foreshadowing and pointing towards God's promise to raise up a king and emancipate the entire world. Jesus on the cross. It is upon this foundation that we praise God. This is the mortar. This is the cement. This is, this is what we build our praise off of. It is the foundation of which we praise God. But this is often not the case for us. If we're honest, sometimes it's hard to praise God. Especially in the difficult times of life. In the book of Chronicles, King Jehoshaphat was up against crazy odds. As the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sur were rising up to defeat them. It's a very tense moment in history. He knew that statistically and tactically, from a military standpoint, he did not stand a chance. We have to be clear. 
What do you do when the odds are against you, where you are at? How do you respond? When we feel like the world is pressing on our heart, when the weight of the circumstances around us press on our shoulders, we feel that weight, that burden, and we feel like it might be too much for us. Jehoshaphat knew exactly what that felt like. He knew all too well what that was. He felt the burden of keeping God's very chosen people safe amidst an imminent attack by overwhelming forces. Now let's see what he does. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, 21. Listen to this. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to learn martial arts. No. To sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. That is not tactically sound by a military standpoint. Um, one would think that he would ask God for maybe a secret weapon, maybe uh, move forward a, a few millennia and get some rocket launchers to annihilate the enemies of God's people. God's enemies, I'm sorry. King Jehoshaphat knew he didn't have the resources to meet the army in battle, but he knew that God could. God could. Second Chronicles chapter 20, 22, listen to what happens after. When they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sur, who had come against Judah, so they were struck down. So if we read on, we find out that the enemy was defeated. If you keep reading, and if you pay attention, you'll notice that God's people did not raise military weapon. Their weapon was praise. The opposing army turned on each other. And in their own division, they imploded. And why shouldn't they? God brings truth and order. Satan brings lies and chaos. If you pay attention, look what's happening in the world today. Postmodern ideologies are imploding in on themselves. For anything that seeks to distance itself from God, like a worldview that deletes any notion of absolute truth, lacks the ability to sustain itself. From the confusion of sexual identity to the atrocities of abortion, sin will never prosper. It is self-defeating. It doesn't matter how popular culture can make something. If it's not rooted in truth, it is doomed to fail. Resting and trusting in God, the embodiment of truth and praising his name, comforts us because we know in doing that, that God's victory is our victory. Jonah knew this. <laughs> he learned through experience. Right in the middle of his problems, in the, the belly of this big fish, he prayed for seven verses. Nothing happened. In the eighth verse, he thanks God. <laughs> when all else fails, thank God. For the first seven verses, he prays, nothing happens. Eighth verse, Jonah prays, he thanks God, and the fish cannot hold him any longer. 
Um, Jonah chapter 2, 9 10. This is what it says. But with the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then it says in verse 10, And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. When did the Lord speak to the fish? After Jonah praised God from within the belly. You too can praise God inside the valleys of your life, inside the difficult times, not just the mountaintops, the difficult times. I have a friend. His name is uh, Jerry. I'll call him Jerry. It's not his real name. He suffers from a, um, uh, epilepsy. He has grand mal seizures. You can die from getting a grand mal seizure. This can kill you. After Jerry is done having one, his body is so exhausted, it literally takes him days to recover from this. Okay. He sits down. He sleeps for long periods of time. His body is, is desperately trying to regain its strength during this time. I, I've, had the, I've got to hang out with him and minister him, to him during these times and get him groceries when he can't. He lives alone. His mind is also affected with the form of amnesia during this uh, traumatic uh, experience that he has several times a month. And, um, and he forgets often not only who he is, but he forgets words in the English language. And, and he has to relearn those words. Slowly but surely, he regains his ability to think, to speak, and to move. I have his permission to uh, share an excerpt from an email he sent me a week and a half ago um, to help me understand what he's going, what, what he goes through every single time that this happens. So this isn't just a one-time experience. And I want to highlight that this. This is something that happens on a regular basis which to me is almost beyond what I can comprehend. But this is what he said. I quote, I'm spending more time being burned out, but when I come back, I can understand fear again, usually. It's nice to be able to question our surroundings with this articulate wonder, but not go overboard with the grief from its stress. I'm saddened with the down and out when when in recovery from seizures for the time it takes for muscle healing. I cry a lot as it's so amazing how the Holy Spirit of God's great giving keeps me comforted like an angel at my side and gives me the sudden abilities to speak intelligently again as my heart throbs. It is a miracle. It's so wonderful to, to still be a part of such significant and profound steps in order to try to understand the great value of life. I'm blown away because, because many people would break under these circumstances. You give them one time, they, they break. Many people have cursed God for less than this. Jerry uses these times to praise God. 
through each healing stage, Jerry chooses to praise, praise God, and he sits there and he cries. And he's not crying because he's discouraged. And this is the part that blows my mind. That's me. That would be me. But he praises God because God's spirit is with him, comforting him, reminding him that he is not alone and he is with him in the valleys of life. He is present with you. We find it easy to praise God, right? When things are going good, you get a job promotion. Hey, praise God. You're going on vacation. Woo, praise God for vacation. Gas dips below $2 a, a liter. Woo, praise God. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't praise God in those times, but I want to remind us that we have the ability and calling to praise God in every circumstance. And not on the basis of how good things are in our life, but on the basis of who God is. Praise Him in every way. Praise Him with your time. How are you using your time? Take time in your prayer life. Set it aside. Wake up a bit earlier. Make a list of people you want to pray for. So when you go up to people and say, I'm going to pray for you, tell them, I'm putting you on my list. <laughs> what? Oh, it's a good list. It's the prayer list. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not the Liam Neeson list where I hunt you down, right? Praise him with your thoughts. In 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verse 5, this is, listen to these words. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Be mindful of what you subject your mind to. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says that we should have a transformed mind. Take care with what you put into your mind. Praise God with your thoughts and focus on Him. Praise God with word and deed. Colossians, such a beautiful book. Colossians 3.17, listen to this. It says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. When your mind and your heart are turned to God, your words and your actions follow. You shoot where you aim. Where are you aiming? Where are you aiming? Praise God with your gifts. Knowing that praising God with gifts, with the gifts that He gives you, He gave you, he, it honors Him. When I give someone a gift and then I see them use that gift, it blesses me. If God is, there are many people of you who are full of gifts. Everyone is gifted, but some of you are sitting on a mountain of, you guys. Use your gifts to glorify God. Figure out where, if you need to start a ministry in church, start a ministry in church. Use your gifts. It blesses God. Praise Him with your gifts. Each and every person is gifted, whether it's hospitality, whether it's singing. Maybe you're an encourager. Man, we need more encouragement. We are all wired differently, and that's a good thing. Church Jesus has redeemed His creation through His sacrifice. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if he's boss of your life and you are fully devoted to him, that includes you. All of creation praises him. Hallelujah. Let's pray.